How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily podcast on the New York Knicks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, my city and wide. Yeah, let me take my time. I'm on my grind. Gotta make sure that we shine. What's yours is mine, and what's mine is yours. HR to the death and first always my team for sure. Go roll. Can't fall off. Got a family support. Gotta make sure we succeed and reach our dream. Now live through me. I'm about to take off. Yeah, and it's no days off. Hello and welcome. To the Locked On Knicks podcast. This is episode 84. I am your host, Jared Dubin. As you know, bringing you insight into the New York Knicks Monday through Friday. If you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe, leave a review and a rating on iTunes, and tell your friends to do the same. Today, we're going to do sort of a grab bag of Knicks issues in the news, as well as a quick preview of what to expect for tonight's game against the Orlando Magic. We are going to start with George Carl. Uh, Carl has a book out soon, Furious George, uh, about his time in the NBA. And within it, he's got a lot of stuff to say about several former Nick friends like Kenyon Martin and J.R. Smith, as well as Carmelo Anthony. Uh, he coached all of them, obviously, in Denver. Um, about Melo, he said, among other things, I'm going to read two quotes here. Uh, first is, Kenyon and Carmelo carried two big burdens, all that money and no father to show them how to act like a man. Um, Carl wrote that Anthony was such a talented kid and could have become the best defender at his position in the NBA. Um, George Carl also wrote, um, Carmelo was a true conundrum for me in the six years I had him. Uh, He was the best offensive player I ever coached. He was also a user of people, addicted to the spotlight, and very unhappy when he had to share it. Uh, He really lit my fuse with his low demand of himself on defense. He had no commitment to the hard, dirty work of stopping the other guy. My ideal, probably every coach's ideal, is when your best player is also your leader. But since Carmelo only played hard on one side of the ball, he made it plain that he couldn't lead the Nuggets even though he said he wanted to. Coaching him meant working around his defense and compensating for his attitude. Uh, Obviously, this is nothing that we haven't heard before. It's basically been the standard criticism of Carmelo since forever. Um, Some of it is valid, some of it's frustration, some of it seems like it's totally uncalled for, Uh, like the user of people stuff, I don't know what that's about. Um, You know, uh, everybody and their mother has called Carmelo a one-way player, that he only works hard on offense and only occasionally tries on defense. Um, That's borne itself out throughout his career, like he is capable of being an above-average defender when he puts his mind to it. He's done that for stretches throughout his career, but it's certainly not been consistent. Um, the leadership stuff is something he has openly talked about himself, um, something that Chauncey Billups has said a lot about uh, when he was with Denver, when he was with the Knicks, and again, you know, in his role uh, as a commentator on ESPN. Uh, it's not necessarily something that's all that big of a deal. Uh, like Carl said, it's 
it's every coach's ideal when your best player is also your leader, but that's not necessarily the case for, for every team. You know, even look at a team like Golden State. Uh, you know, Steph was their best player over the last couple of years. Draymond Green was the guy that was, you know, the emotional and inspirational leader and whatnot. Uh, it's, I don't think it's a big deal if the best player is not, you know, the, the rah-rah leader type. Um, clearly all of Carmelo's teams have revolved around him and been better when he's on the floor and been better when he's played better. Um, look, there's, there is plenty that people could say about George Carl and the mistakes that he made as a coach as well. You know, he coached for a long time. Um, you know, we'll come back to that because, uh, Carl also made reference to J.R. Smith's posse, um, which is something that's brought about slight murmurs of, you know, why is it such a big deal when Phil Jackson said it, but people are letting George Carl skate, um, well, one, because we just found out about it this morning. And not as many people, uh, it hasn't blown up yet. Um, two, because George Carl isn't Phil Jackson and not as many people care about what he says. Um, three, because Carl said it about the people around J.R. Smith and not the people around LeBron James. And four, because the people Carl is referring to aren't also in the NBA community as agents and power brokers like Rich Paul and Maverick Carter. Um, that's, that's my read on the situation, at least. Uh, who knows what will happen over the next few days. Um, and, and like I said, anyway, there's there's plenty more that people could say about George Carl. Um, he coached in the NBA for a long time, and he was one of the most fun coaches in terms of style of play that there was. You know, you watch his Sonics teams, and they were really um, pressure-heavy defensively. Uh, the, the kind of things he did with Gary Payton and like Xavier McDaniel and... Uh, and Sean Kemp and, and all of those guys in the early 90s, mid-90s, whatnot. Um, those, those were some fun teams, and they had a, a good matchup with the Jordan Bulls in the finals. Um, you know, Then he went to Milwaukee, and the team was a little bit different when he had Ray, Ray Allen there, uh, Glenn Robinson. Then, obviously, the Denver teams were hugely different um, in, in terms of their style of play, very fast offensively, sort of flowy-type ball movement. Um, especially the teams after Carmelo, where they had to go to more of like an egalitarian system. But, you know, while those teams were fun, his teams also underperformed a lot. And he always had sort of these scorched earth exits from whatever team he was with. Um, you know, there's, there's a famous saying like, and pardon the language here, but if you run into an asshole in the morning, you ran into an asshole. If you run into assholes all day, you're an asshole. Um, and Carl had run-ins basically everywhere, right? You know, um, at least some of it's got to be on him. So, you know, that's, that's sort of how I feel about it. But speaking of the general uh, posterior region, it's time to talk about today's sponsor, a company that provides great articles of clothing, some of which cover that region and some of which help mask its smell. We're talking, of course, about... Mac Weldon. Mac Weldon provides underwear, they provide t-shirts, hoodies, socks, undershirts, sweatpants, and it's so comfortable. I've mentioned this a few times on the podcast before. All of their their underwear is great fitting, it's great feeling, it works if you want to wear it to the gym, if you want to wear it out. If you want to go on a date, if you want to wear it to work, no matter what, it, it, it feels good and it performs well too. 
And like I mentioned earlier, they have a line of silver underwear and shirts that are naturally antimicrobial, which means that they eliminate odor. If you are looking for a holiday gift, Christmas, Hanukkah, any other holiday you might celebrate, you could do a lot worse than Mack Weldon, which no matter who you buy it for, they will be satisfied with it. I have it myself, as I've mentioned many times. The experience of shopping on Mack Weldon's website is great. Um, you order it, and for me, it showed up at my apartment the next day. And like I said, I have been very, very satisfied with everything that I bought from there. Um, if you want to get some Mack Weldon stuff, all you got to do is go to MacWeldon.com, and you can get 20% off using the promo code L-O-NIX. That's MacWeldon.com, 20% off using the promo code L-O-NIX. You can get extremely comfortable underwear, socks, shirts, undershirts, hoodies, sweatpants, whatever you want to wear. And if you need some odor elimination, you can get their silver line as well. And that will work too. Uh, next up, I put a couple polls out on the Locked On Knicks Twitter account uh, two days ago. And one of them was, which Nick is more likely to make the All-Star team, Carmelo Anthony or Kristaps Porzingis? And the other one was, which Nick is more deserving of making the All-Star team, Carmelo Anthony or Kristaps Porzingis? Um, the results, one of them was not surprising. One of them was somewhat surprising in terms of its closeness. Um, the first one, uh, 54 to 46% Carmelo Anthony more likely to make the All-Star team than Chris Stapps. I was surprised at how close that was, and I'll describe why in a second. 85% um, to 15% Chris Stapps is more deserving uh, of making the team than Carmelo. That one, I think, is uh, pretty clearly what the general consensus is, um, even among those that aren't Knicks fans. Um, I was surprised at the first one because Carmelo has had the vote behind him for years and probably still does. Uh, and that's why it was interesting to hear him say that we should get rid of the media vote and make it only the fans vote because he's always going to get voted in. Um, that's, you know, obviously people are always going to want what's in their self-interest, but I, I thought it was humorous to hear that he had said that. Um, but again, you know, Chris Epps, I think, has been flat out better this year. You know, he's been better on offense, even if he's been able to have that better season, at least in part, because of Melo's presence on the floor. Um, and even with Chris Epps' struggles on the perimeter, he's had the better season on defense, too. I think it's fair to say that he's their best player right now. Even if Melo or even Rose is probably their most important player in terms of you know, the effect of not having them on the floor has on the team. Um, next up is uh, Derek Rose says he's going to bring Knicks fans back. Um, so at practice Wednesday, he said, I just want to win here. Winning is everything here. I think not only for myself, but for the franchise, for the city. It's good to know that we're going to get to the point where we're going to bring some Knicks fans back to us, like the fans who gave up on the team probably a while ago, just off the direction the team was going, we're going to bring them back. Um, I am not sure I accept the premise that Knicks fans ever left. Um, the fan base has been loyal and present and diehard through a whole lot of crap over the years. 
Isaiah, Larry Brown, 23 and 59, sexual harassment trials, all kinds of stuff. Um, it's obviously an imperfect way to measure, but ESPN.com has attendance figures every year going back to 2002. And the lowest the Knicks have had in any season during that time is a 97.5% attendance rate back in 2007. Uh, they've been at 100% for home games in each of the last four seasons. Uh, if fans went elsewhere at any time, and again, that's a premise I don't really grant, they're already back. Um, it's, it's nice that Rose is dedicated to the fans, but I really don't think that they went anywhere. Um, fans have, have been coming out for years, good games, bad games. Um, you know, I, I think that their Knicks fans have stayed remarkably loyal considering uh, how the team has generally performed since 2001. Uh, you know, again, one of the, the least successful teams since then with one of the best attendance rates. Um, lastly, Knicks are taking on the Magic tonight at the Garden. The Knicks are 15-13 and 13 after beating the Pacers the other night, fifth place in the Eastern Conference as of this morning. The Magic are 13-17, and 17, which puts them 12th in the East. Uh, as we know by now, 3rd and 12th in the East are separated by a grand total of four games. It's basically a cluster. Um, the, you know, the Knicks haven't played the Magic yet this year, but this is one of two home games they'll have against Orlando uh, in the next week and a half. They come back to the Garden on January 2nd after the Knicks take their end-of-year road trip. Orlando is a really weird team. Um, uh, like the Knicks, they are, they're 2-9 and nine against teams that are 500 or better. They have nine double-digit losses. Um, they usually can't score, but they hung 124 on Washington, 134 on Atlanta, 118 on Brooklyn, 136 on Miami. Uh, their defense is usually pretty good, but they also gave up 109 to Charlotte, 121 to Denver, 123 to Minnesota, 112 to Chicago. They've given up at least 109 in eight straight games with a defensive efficiency of 115.2 in that time, worse than the league. So if you get hot on them, things can sort of snowball. And uh, the Knicks did that to some extent against Indiana on Tuesday. And if they can get hot again, again, there's the uh, the potential for things to really sort of get out of control for the Magic. So you got to get off to sort of a good start uh, in, in terms of that, that offensive performance early on. Because it seems like they're the kind of team where you can sort of step on them early and then they can't manage to come back. Um, they have a lot of really good athletes in Ibaka, Biombo, Aaron Gordon, Alfred Payton, but not really anybody that can challenge the Knicks defensively in the ways that have hurt them most. Um, you know, neither Payton or DJ Augustine is the kind of point guard that has given the Knicks a lot of trouble. You know, neither of them are you know, relentlessly attacking the paint and getting to the basket. There are more guys that operate from the perimeter. Uh, Augustine more with uh, pull-up jumpers and Peyton more with his passing because teams sort of just let him shoot from the outside. Um, then you look at the big guys, Ibaka and Biombo aren't really the kind of frontline guys that have given the Knicks trouble either. Uh, maybe Nick Vucevic might give them the most issues given what Al Jefferson was able to do the other night or depending on how the Knicks match up, then maybe Evan Fournier might be able to get going. 
but th there's also really no slithery small forward type that might be able to take advantage of Carmelo, which is something that's given the Knicks some issues uh, throughout the season. Obviously, um, Jeff Green's not really hurting anybody, for example. Um, so I, I think this is a matchup that plays into the Knicks' hands in terms of their strengths and weaknesses, and they should be able to get a win. Uh, it would be disappointing if they don't. Uh, all right, that's going to wrap it up for today. I will be back tomorrow with another podcast. Uh, just a heads up, it's going to post later in the day because my guest is on the West Coast and he's not going to be available until around 6 o'clock. Uh, it's a Christmas game preview, so it'll be evergreen, and you can listen to it on uh, your commute home from work or any time on the weekend before that game uh, at noon on Sunday against the Celtics. Uh, enjoy. Enjoy.